0: Isn't that just the coolest video you've ever seen in your life? Wow. To me, it is. Wow. It took me long enough to do it, but I fell in love with it after seeing it a million times. Does anybody have any questions? I, usually, we, we save the question and answer till the very end, and uh, you ask about food, and do people wear clothes? Uh, <laughs> what's the weather like? What's the money like? What's the government like? Maybe you have a, a deeper question like, do you think that I could be of help down there? That would be the one that I really want to hear. Do you think that God could use a loser like me to to help you in Brazil? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> On that note... <laughs> I'll tell you in a few minutes. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. He asked about Sidu and Zita. Those two people gave their testimonies in the video. And... uh it's a developing story, like all of our stories. Did anybody watch the video that the team put together? Did it, was, it, was I in it? Was I? What did I look like? I mean, what was I wearing? Was it? I was just wearing a. T- she didn't even remember, so. Archie Perez, like, you know, he's Mr. Super Missionary Man and got a church of 200 and the only one in Uruguay. And so he stole the show, actually, but, hey. I'll try to redeem that right now. Uh, so, is that all the questions? Nobody wants to come to Brazil to help us out, yeah? Is anything impossible? There, there are some things impossible. God can't send stuff like that. Uh, that's good that's the good question we often we often uh in my own personal experience we invent things that will prevent us from doing certain things or in our minds we say i could never do that because then we have our own list of uh reasons that we can't do what we think the lord wants us to do it even happens in the business world it could never happen uh i saw an article recently about Microsoft, uh, Apple, and one other that I don't remember all started in garages, <laughs> and now they're multi-billion dollar corporations. So uh, are there things that seem impossible to us? Sure. Are there things that might be impossible to us? Sure. But uh, how many of those things are we actually creating in our own way of thinking? I could never go to Brazil as a missionary because uh, it's impossible. Uh, there, There's where I... I would say no. We, we think we think too much. We're we're thinking our own. We're we're creating our own barriers. That's where that's why I like to challenge people uh, with a with a challenge that a missionary gave me years ago. And uh, in his invitation, he didn't say, "Has God called you to preach?" Because I could check that one off. No, has God called you to be a missionary? No, but that guy didn't say that. He said, has God called you to any type of full-time service, anything at all? And I said, uh, well, probably, maybe. <laughs> That's what got me. That got me down an aisle, which basically kind of was a, a, a special day in my life that, that changed the course of my direction, or changed my direction, I should say. Um, but that was a good question. Is there anything impossible? Uh, Right now, Alexandre, who is my uh, co-worker and actually the pastor of the church, wants to uh, start a Christian school. And I think, that's pretty much impossible. But I'm not saying anything because I've already seen God do some pretty incredible things that I said was impossible too. So I don't want to look like a ninny three times in a row or four times or five times in a row. I'll just keep my mouth shut even a fool is appears to be wise if he doesn't say anything as the Bible says that's the dual translation but um, so I'm keeping my mouth shut because I, I to me it seems like an impossible dream but we've seen God do some pretty neat things yes Catholic it's Catholic it's Roman Catholic We're, the question was, what's the main religion in Brazil? It's, it's the largest Roman Catholic church in uh, the world. And then, uh, are we able to preach the gospel freely? Yes. I've seen, I've seen, i had not done it, but I've seen guys preaching in the center of town that there's a large, what we call praça, which would be like a plaza in front of a Catholic church the, in, in downtown Sorocaba. And they're out there preaching, preaching to the pigeons, basically, because there's lots of people going around, but hardly anybody listening. So, yeah, we have freedom to... To, to preach. In fact, uh, we are doing something that you in America probably can't do with your freedoms. We are actually holding uh, Bible club and having our church services in a public school building, <laughs> so, without having to rent it. They, the principal actually invited Ali Shandi to come and uh, start uh, do the Bible club in in school. And actually, uh, he started recently, uh, once a week, giving le- Bible lessons. Uh, I think we're doing four or five different classes on Wednesday teaching Bible in the uh, in probably school. So, yeah, we have, we have the freedom to do that. So that can't be a hindrance to you. you. You know, I don't want to go behind the iron curtain that doesn't exist anymore, but I don't want to because, you know, I might be persecuted. You might be, but you might be persecuted in your own neighborhood too, you know. So we have freedom in that Catholic country. Any other questions? Yes. Alicia keeps asking me that same question. When do we expect to be in the building? Uh, we are. They're actually putting on the the. Let's see what we would call the second floor. They're putting on the concrete this tomorrow. It's coming tomorrow to put the the concrete on. Um, the building's pretty small. It's about. Well, it's. 12 meter, 11 meters wide by 15 meters deep, if you know what that means. It's about this, maybe a little bit smaller than this, probably about a, two-thirds of this room. And uh, the Lord's provided the funds for that. A lot of it came from Brazilians. Some has come, quite a bit has come from the Americans. So, everything that we have right now is paid for. It doesn't look like much, but we, it's paid for. and uh, We had to invest... Fifteen thousand Brazilian dollars in Palenta would be uh, blueprints, and then uh, we had to invest fifty-two thousand into the foundation because of the we're going to have like a three-story building. So it was pretty discouraging after sixty-seven thousand dollar investment, we didn't have anything to show for it but a slab of concrete. But then the Lord's continued to provide, and. Uh, it's going to be covered tomorrow. So the answer to the question is I don't know when we're going to be in it because he wants to be in it by August, which I'm like, it's not going to happen. But, again, I'm not saying it because I've seen weirder things happen than that. So we might be in there in August. We've, we actually have had some break-ins recently. In fact, he told me just a couple of days ago that uh, they were putting up, they have to put these beams across to hold the blocks in place that they pour the concrete over. And somebody had stolen some of those, so they had to run out and try and find some. and It's quite quite an adventure. But anyway, a lot of thievery and stuff like that. We're still going to do three floors. The third floor is not going to be a gym or it's not going to be a sports court. He wanted the first floor auditorium. Second floor was going to be classrooms, Third floor was going to be like a sports court type thing. But uh, we're thinking about rather than investing more money in that, we're thinking about possibly purchasing a lot right next to the church. So pray about that. Uh, with us that we would be able to purchase that lot. It would give us some parking space as well as uh, a place for the kids to play. Yes. It's been all Brazilian. We've hired uh, Brazilian contractors. Contractors is a really fancy word for what we've got. But anyway, we've got a couple guys that are slinging some mud, and they know what they're doing Uh, we, we came to a crucial point in construction when the guy that was working for us got mad at the other guy that was working for us. The other guy was from our church, and he's kind of a peculiar individual. And uh, he got he irritated this other guy, and the guy quit right at this part where we really need to have him there. He said, I'm not, I'm not working for you anymore, and just quit. But then the Lord supplied a couple of other guys that just happened to be looking for work, and they're working out very well. So, so um we have had, we've had one American come down, and he put down two blocks, and dug a big hole, but he dug it in the wrong spot. But that wasn't his fault. He he, he was told to dig it there, and he dug a hole that was about ten feet wide by about five feet deep. And you know what the the dirt's like done? It's like concrete. That poor guy just worked his brains out, and I'm not telling him that the hole's in the wrong spot because. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, he's the guy that came down. Lake Orion was going to put together a team and, and come down and help us out, but that just fell through because uh, ticket prices went up and whatever, so they didn't come down. But he did come down. He was from first Baptist Oxford. Barry came down, and, and after a couple blocks, I could pretty much see he wasn't a block player, so I let him lay his two blocks to kind of feel like he was a part of that, and then uh, we moved on to something else that he could do, like digging holes. A <laughs> ditch digger here. That's why he's got a college education. He's actually a computer programmer that believes the Lord may be calling him to Brazil as a missionary. So we're kind of excited about that. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. We have. Uh, did I tell you last week, last last year? You probably did, but yeah, me too. So what did I say? I wouldn't be asking if I knew that I told you last year. So uh, we got we a got drug dealer that lives on one side of our house, and drug dealer lives on the other side of our house, and behind our house as well. You know how our house is. It's like boom, boom, boom. We're right in the middle, and then right here is another house, and right here is another house, and right here is another house. And, right another house, and there's like this thickness, of the thickness of the arm that you're resting your arm on uh, between us. And uh, during the night, our our white dog, Whitey, he barks at anything, and he's always barking at the conversation going on all during the night because there's motorcycles coming and going and all kind of stuff. Uh, we we found we found that the drug dealers are pretty uh, amiable in a certain way. If you don't mess with them, they don't mess with you. And so we actually kind of feel comfortable where we are. Uh, we were broken into at, on the other side of uh, the neighborhood, actually in another another neighborhood. We actually feel fairly comfortable because we were told just as we came into the neighborhood that if anything went wrong, we just had to see the man, and the man would either get your stuff back or take the guy that took it out. He'd just take him out and shoot him somewhere. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Well, okay. Uh, This is not Mayberry, Norlake, or in, so we'll we'll just keep our – yeah. So, yeah, it's it's still pretty dangerous. They have – I found out just before we came home, I talked to Steve. He's, he's the one that was responsible for organizing a group of homeless people to, to uh, ask for a piece of land that they could call their own, where they could build their own homes. And uh, So the, the mayor uh, leased these people, 99-year lease. You can build whatever you want on your lot. And uh, he actually even gave them some poles and a tarp and said, go for it. And so these people were taken out of their shacks and moved to this piece of land with poles and a tarp and told that you could do what you want with it. So pretty pretty difficult beginning. And yet uh, I was told by him just before we left, I, I said, you know, I heard that there's like, a, there's not just one person over the whole neighborhood. There's several. He said, well, it's divided into sectors. He said, there are there's a, each... Each area has a sector. There's about seven sectors in the whole neighborhood, and each of those uh, each of those leaders report to the man. That uh, you know, if there's a problem in their area, then they go to the man, and he takes care of it one way or the other. So uh, anyway, yeah, it's weird. It's, it's it's not like Royal Oak as strange as Royal Oak may be sometimes. Uh, it's it's even more interesting than that. Wouldn't you just love to be able to, well, no, maybe you wouldn't like that power to see your neighbor be taken out, you know, by oh, my neighbor's a bad one. Oh, okay, we'll take care of that. But uh, I've actually seen, uh, I was in the barbershop one day, and and I'm looking out the door, and a car, two police cars come in and do, you know, the slide turn like they do in the movies, do a 360 in front of the school, and they run out with their guns drawn and run into the school. I'm like, that can't be safe. <laughs> What's going on here? You know, well, come to find out, somebody had. somebody somebody was running away and uh, ran into the school for protection. Of course, that's not a bad thing to do unless you've got police that'll shoot before they ask questions. But, um. So I've seen, I've seen some interesting things. I was talking to a couple of kids a while back, uh, an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old, and I said, have you guys ever seen a dead person? I was thinking like of a funeral, you know, and we were doing a Bible lesson. And they are like, yeah, I heard a pop, pop, pop one night, and I came out, and here's a guy bleeding to death on my sidewalk. I'm like, and then the other girl says, yeah, Pastor, I was walking down the sidewalk, and there was a guy ahead of me, and a motorcycle came up and popped him two times, and he fell dead in front of me, and then the guy looked at me, and he's like, see this gun, it's for you if you say anything about it. And then off he goes. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. I dab, 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 dab. These kids are, you know, so it's a weird place. It's a weird place. What it is is that these people have come to uh, from the north or all over Brazil to come to, to our town for work. And when they got there, it was kind of like something that they'd heard that they get, that they never did get a job, and so they became homeless. They didn't have enough money to go back to where they came from. And uh, so they scraped together whatever they could to build themselves homes or houses. And they had several of these shanty towns all over Sotokaba and they're kind of an eyesore. I mean, if you think about it that way, they're an eyesore. Uh, what are we going to do with these ugly... Places that are on prime land, you know what they do is a Brazilian can what they do they call an invasion. They can go and live on a spot, and if they're there for five years, it becomes theirs. Wouldn't you like to try that one? If you're living on a spot for five years, it becomes yours, whether that piece of property has an owner or not. That's what these people were doing. So the mayor gives them all after Cebu and his group went in to see the mayor. He said, "Okay, we'll give you this piece of property for 99 years," and he put it way up in the north part of town. In fact, it's not even on the map. sort of like he he brushed all the filth underneath the carpet, you know? And he got all these people out of these prime places and let them build their own places. And uh, So when you bring all these factions together, imagine what happens. You've got one guy over each faction, and when they come to this one spot, it uh, becomes the hot point, and he, there were people being killed on a weekly basis or a daily basis at times. Just... Uh, they take people and, you know, tie them to trees and flog them to death. Or I mean, it's just, I'm, I've heard the stories. So uh, the, the neighborhood has gotten better over the years. Uh, it's it's 12, 13 years old, but it's still not the place that you necessarily want to send your kids to play. And to start a church there is, is uh, I was told by another missionary, Mike, a church in the Abitad will never work. I said, well, why? Well, people are looking to get out of it. They're not looking to go there. Even if you had people that were, were from another neighborhood, they would, why would they go to there to be part of church? Or the people even in there, how long will they last? They're, they're looking to get out. In a way, that missionary's words were prophetic. Uh, over the seven, or over the, see, it started in 2007 at the Bible Club. Six, seven years ago, we've only seen one couple from that neighborhood, come to be a part of the church but we've seen other people willing to come into that neighborhood to be a part of our church so uh, it's definitely it's definitely a weird place would you like to come work with us? I'm serious. I'm not joking here. I'm talking serious. You guys can live on the, the uppity-up side of town where the Brazilians say, oh, well, they're, you know, they're better than us. That's how they say that you're being snooty. But you can be snooty if you want and come down and still work in Cabo, and, and you can drive all the way across town to, to be a part of our church. That would be cool because uh, we need the help. I was at a mission, a Baptist in Admissions missionary get together in Brazil. Two of them, actually, in this last six months. And both of them, I felt like I was at Danish Village. Has anybody ever heard of Danish Village? It's in Rochester. It's a retirement home. And you go in there, and there's nothing but white hair everywhere. White hair and a lot of wrinkles. Sort like me. Oh, wait. I don't have the white hair yet, but... I mean, it just looked like I thought, where will we be in ten years? Everybody there was Experienced. So we need help. We need your help. Don't count yourself out, even if you are gray hair and you got a beard and uh, only one eye. Hey, kid, come on down. We'll show you around. See, the only has one eye. Uh, he says he lost it in a car accident. I think he was beat out of him, but I don't know that for sure. I, want, I was just, I, I put together a, a short lesson a few weeks ago that, I titled, I initially titled, can God, uses, can God Use Losers? And I thought, well, I think it's a personal testimony here. So uh, I changed it to, Can God Use Failures? Can God use people who are failures in life? Of course, we would say, yes, God can do anything, anything, anything. God can do anything but fail. But can he use a person that fails? Uh, the Bible has all kinds of examples. The one that I wanted to look at is kind of almost like an invisible person. He's, he's not ever seen in his own book, the book of Mark. I want to go to chapter 1. Uh, eventually, I think that I'm going to start out in chapter 14. Mark 14, in a strange little incident that's only recorded in Mark, that, that makes the scholars believe that this is Mark talking about himself. Mark, I want someone to read for me Mark 14, verses 51 and 52. Is that weird or what? I mean, we're talking the garden scene, Jesus, the night he's going to be crucified, and out of the Darkness. There's this little guy that's in a sheet somehow, <laughs> and then he's grabbed and runs away naked. Doesn't. And that's all it says about it. Who was that masked man? Uh, it might have been Mark, John Mark. Look at Acts chapter 12, verse 12. Acts chapter 12 is notable because Peter's in prison. Uh, he's going to be killed the next day. You remember the story. It's a great story. I mean, Peter is going to be uh, uh, executed the very next day, and the guy's sleeping so hard that the angel has to slap him to wake him up. I mean, if I was going to be executed the next day, I think I might have had a hard time sleeping. But anyway, there's Peter, and the angel leads Peter out. You know, his chains fall off. He leads him out through the first and second garden, and all of a sudden he finds himself in the middle of the street And then he's like, oh, wait a minute. This isn't a dream. I'm actually here in the middle of the street. What should I do? He goes to a house. And verse 12 tells us. Who who would read that for me? Verse 12. Acts 12, 12. So Peter knew Mary's house as a house where the believers would be gathered uh, and, and, and then uh, Luke tells us that it was uh, John Mark's house. So apparently Mark was a part of that group. He was a known uh, believer. Later in that chapter, almost in passing, notice what Luke says in verse 25. Someone else read that for me, please. So uh, those two were sent to Jerusalem to help with a monetary gift, apparently, and uh, they came back and they brought John Mark with them. Now those are some big shooters. Those two are some big shooters. Anybody with Paul is that's intimate with Paul is uh, important, and they took this young man with them. But notice what happened in, in chapter 13. Now this is the chapter where. Uh, every pastor's nightmare where these guys that are fasting and praying and serving the Lord and they're they're so dedicated that they actually fast they actually pray, they actually serve and uh, the Holy Spirit comes and says I want Paul and Barnabas and the, the pastor of that church would have probably said Wait a minute, these guys are evangelistic team, they're here, they're ours, they're ours. Why are you taking them? Take these other guys. But no, they go and they actually take with them on the first missionary trip a young man. Verse thirteen. Notice what it says. Someone read it. Acts thirteen, thirteen. I'm sorry. John left. He was a quitter. What was going on there? Uh, was it that he was missing Mama's cooking? Uh, earlier in that... It could have been. I don't know. I mean, he could have been a Mama's boy. I want to go home. The Bible doesn't get specific there. Uh, earlier in the chapter, there was some opposition. And he actually saw uh, some, some miraculous activity. But... He just leaves unexplained, <laughs> drops out. Uh, have you ever been a part of a missions team? Uh, if you have, to me uh, in the past, I would I went on several before we went to Brazil, and it was at the end of the the trip, it was always like <sighs> I got to go back and paint trucks again. I always want to stay here. You know, I just want to stay. I don't want to go home. It was just uh, it was a, it was that feeling of I I want to stay. And yet, for, for John, Mark, he, he dropped out. He just quit. Went home. Doesn't say why, but I can imagine. He uh, just got discouraged. He's just, uh, man, this is, will this ever end? And with Paul, by the way, did it ever end? I mean, he was always on the go, always on the go, always in trouble, being beaten, being uh, put in prison, uh, being shipwrecked. I mean, the guy is incredible. But John thought, I don't want to be part of that anymore. Notice what happens in chapter 15, verses 37, 38, and 39. I need someone to read those. You'll remember the story. Let's read them and, and see what the Bible says. Barnabas has a big heart. He sees his, I think it was his cousin, he says, oh, let's give him another chance. Barnabas sees potential, he says, let's just give the guy a chance. Paul says, Paul being the practical one says, no, no way. Give me a break. He, he deserted us. It says he deserted us. He deserted them at the, at the crucial point in their, in their mission trip. He left us. We're not taking him with us. And it says that there was a sharp discussion that's a nice way of saying they were screaming at each other. We're not taking him yes we, we no 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 can you imagine Paul screaming at you? man, I think I'd want to get saved all over again or maybe three times, but there was a sharp discussion, and Barnabas sails off into history because we never see him again. He takes his friend and goes and uh the, the team split. Because of Mark. He took Mark with him and he said, I'm going off. And we're going to do our own thing. And Paul took a Silas and they did they went off and we hear more about Paul. But we never hear any more about Barnabas. Barnabas the, the son of consolation, the one that actually introduced Saul of Tarsus to the disciples. Never hear about him again. But what about what about Mark? Do we hear about him? We do. Uh, notice Colossians, verses chapter 4, 7 through 11. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7 through 11. Paul has finished this great letter to the church of Colossae. And at, at the end of his letters, sometimes Paul would mention. A list of people that were with him. And notice we he says. Read those for me, please. 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. Colossians. There might be some hard names. If you, if you come to them, you can mumble through them. I don't care because it's not the point. Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. I'd love to be an encouragement to Paul. You know, I would just love to have him say, Mike, Mike has been an encouragement to me. And that's what he says. He says, a received mark, welcome him. Now, his last letter. In Second Timothy, chapter four, he's he's facing death. And uh, writes his last letter to Timothy. And you know what he says in chapter, chapter 4, verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. The last letter of this man, and he says, Luke's the only guy here, but when you come, Timothy, stop by Mark's house. You know where it is. Pick him up and bring him with you because he's useful to me. Is that an encouragement to you? I mean, God, God can use a guy like Mark. In fact, by the way, he only wrote one book, but it was a bestseller. I mean, we still have it today. It's it's a part of the it's a part of the library we call the Bible. Mark was the first evangelist to record the life of Christ. Many believe that he recorded what Peter shared with him about the life of Christ. Have you ever read that book? I know you have. Uh, I, I like it because it's fast-paced. It, it starts out this way. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how it starts. And then what he does is he goes into uh, a prophecy from Isaiah. And then he talks of John the Baptist. And then he talks about Jesus doing miracles. I mean, it's like, let's get to the heart of the matter right here and now. And he talks, about, he talks more about Jesus' miracles than he does about his actual teaching. Sharing the life of Christ with the word immediately, immediately, and immediately, and immediately. If you read it, you get out of breath because you're, you're always on the go. That was the little kid that had a humble start in the garden, apparently at the scene with Jesus Christ the night he was to be betrayed, ended up being rejected by the Apostle Paul and then accepted back. How did that all happen? How did that happen? Uh, No details, but I think think it boils down to some decisions that he came to through his life. He came to some decisions that, that made him... Uh, that changed his life. He could have been pretty rejected after, he, after that, that, that screaming, shouting match between Paul and Barnabas, and he could have said, I'm washed up, no good, can't do anything more, I'll, I'll just go and do what I was doing before. But he apparently didn't give up. And he made some decisions that allowed him to be used in a tremendous way. The bestseller list on Amazon.com. I mean, Mark the the Book of Mark. I mean, it's Eternal Scriptures. Use can God use a failure? Yeah. How often do we fail? Do you want that broken down daily or weekly or moment by moment? You know, I mean, we we all could look in the mirror and say, "Wow, what a waste of skin!" And you should donate that to the skin bank and be on your way. But God can use us. We often create those barriers that, allow, that don't allow him to do that. And yet he wants to use us. So my, my, uh, my invitation to come to Brazil, you don't have to come necessarily to where we are. We'd love to have you. And not because we want you to be scared or anything, because, uh, but because we need help. And uh, whatever your situation you can be used, and maybe you're being used integrally here, and that's wonderful. You're one of the few that are here this morning, so that tells me something. You are here to hear the word. It means that it's important to you, and that's wonderful. But don't hinder the Holy Spirit if he says, hey, could you go to, I, I want to set you apart for something special that I have for you, something that may be in a little different place. And I'm not not asking you to go to Cambodia or Africa or England or Canada. I want you to come to Brazil. That's pretty much my specific, you know, check that part of God's will out for you too because we need some help in Brazil. God can use failures. He's using me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for faithful servants. Father, thank you for the testimony of this church. The fact that the words being preached in this difficult area is a testimony of good people wanting to do your will. And we thank you so much for the lighthouse that is here. Father, I pray that if there be someone here this morning that has never placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that that person might come to do so this morning. If there's a person here that feels that you have called them to be missionaries, but they feel that they're, whether it be unworthy or inadequate, I pray that you would help John Mark's story to touch their lives. pray that your Holy Spirit would work. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.